you're having a, cu- a couple pauses when you talk, so I might have to tell you to repeat something. Okay. Well, I want to start this week, though. Um, we can get to that. But I want to start this week, uh, Gordon, to ask you I think what, what we're all thinking about right now, and that's your uh, that's your appearance on the hit Oxygen murder show called Killer Motive yeah. this week, where Gordon Anderson um, served as the former Herald reporter who talked about his knowledge of the case and remember and his memories of uh, covering it back in what year was it? 2005, 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for those who haven't seen it, uh, killer motive is one of, I discovered about 130 uh, murder shows that, (laughs) that run on the oxygen network. And I think the oxygen network launched a few years back as a, as a network, uh, you know, for mostly dealing with programming for women. And I think in recent years, um, uh, female viewing habits and murder shows have gone hand in hand in recent years, so much so that Saturday Night Live just did a, a parody song about how much women love murder shows. So anyway, you got to, uh, you got to appear on it so it's a murder case from 2004 and Gordon, you know a lot more about it than I do. So um, re- refresh our memories before we start actually talking about your appearance. In 2004, a woman named Marnita Bynum was found in the trunk of her car on the side of the road in Richmond County, which is two counties away. You have to go through more County and then you get to Richmond County. Right. Um, Marnita Bynum was the wife of a man named Melvin Bynum, who was the pastor at a church called Cry Out Loud Ministries, which is over off of uh, Woodland Drive. Yeah, still there. Yeah, under different leadership, I guess. Um, same, same name, though, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think uh, some of the footage they showed of the church today still had the sign out front. But anyway, I'm sorry. So she was found in a, she was found in the trunk of a car a couple counties away, mm-hmm. and she had been strangled. Um, within a week or so of her being found, uh, her husband Melvin was formally charged with murder. The case kind of languished in court for a couple of years. Well, I, I don't think it was that long actually. I'm not sure. Um, but in any event, he ended up pleading guilty to a lesser charge and was sentenced to something like seven or eight years in prison. He was released after three years. Um, the plea deal was an Alfred plea, which is uh, basically you say, well, I acknowledge that you have enough evidence to convict me of this charge, but I am not. I'm not admitting guilt. Um, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I, I, yeah, I, no, it's I, I've heard of it before. It's a really weird thing where you're pretty much admitting guilt, 
but you're also the other side is admitting they don't have enough for the charge that they're pursuing. So it, it turns out to be a plea deal. Yeah. And if I remember right, there were a number of reasons for that plea deal. And I think that it was a tough case to investigate. There was some speculation that other people may have been involved. Um, but you know, all, all that goes away when the, the plea deal happens. So um, long story short, back in the fall, you and I both got an email from the producers of this show asking what we remembered. I guess they Googled the case and um, found my name on that old coverage, um, Googled my name and found the rant, which was... Um, that was that that was a nice thing to be discovered that way. Well, had we had has the rant, had we written anything about this case? No. No, okay. it was we we never did a like a look back or anything like that. No. Okay. Hey but, friends. Hey John. Sorry, man. I, I'm 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 bad. I'm a bad host. We're talking, about, we're talking about Gordon's star turn in the hit oxygen killer show killer mode. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, no. I have a beef about this show. I I know we're, I, I have beefs. I have beefs too. We're going to get to the beefs. Okay. We haven't got to the beefs yet. We're we're still in the in the process of Gordon explaining um, his involvement in the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the show, and then we'll, we'll express. We'll have an airing of the beefs at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any case, I was. Uh, I responded to the email and said, yeah, I remember that case. Um, I covered it uh, 16 years ago. Um, And they asked if I would mind doing an on-camera interview with um, renowned journalist Troy Roberts. And uh, I said, sure. He's not bad. He's not bad. (laughs) I've seen a lot of these shows before, and as far as hosts go, he's not bad. He does a very good job of um, asking a question, and then as he's getting, I mean, is uh, 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 look, you know, he gives a look, which I did my glasses, my interview with my glasses off, so I wasn't really able to see, but that was um, that that I think that was a bonus for me. Anyway, <laughs> the the I was kind of a ball of nerves about how this was going to come off because in the lead up, they were like, well, you know, here are some things we'd like you to talk about. And I said, well, I'm going to have to refresh my memory on the details of the case. So I went down to the library and pulled all my old coverage and read the stories. And then they said, well, can you talk about um, the armor bearers? And I said, what is an armor bearer? And they said, well, it's this (laughs) tradition in some black churches of people who, you know, um, are basically right-hand men to the, to, to the preacher. And, and I said, well, I, uh, I don't know anything about that. And um, I'm really not comfortable holding myself expert on the the black church. Yeah. I think these shows often when they bring the journalist on, they portray this person as this journalist, Gordon Anderson spent eight years of his life covering this trial and knows every detail. And what they don't realize is, you know, Gordon Anderson 
worked 40 hours a week and did a lot of things at that time. <laughs> and this murder trial was one of a thousand things he was doing. So, you know, it wasn't like we had the resources to put a man on the case, you know? So I, I can imagine that he did, they did ask you a lot of questions that you probably were like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, and I made clear to, um, the producers like here's here's the things i'm willing to talk about what i remember um if there's a detail that i wasn't aware of at the time or don't remember if you can provide me corroboration of that detail i'm glad to talk about it but the black church their traditions the importance of the church to the black community those are things i don't know anything about um but so we get to the interview they come uh, we set up in my office and it it took a good couple of hours for them to get set up. They brought a ton of equipment. They blanketed the windows, they lit the room. And then I was on uh, like basically a zoom call with Troy Roberts. And he starts in asking me all this stuff that I said, I don't want to talk about. <laughs> and I, I just kept saying, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I don't have any knowledge of that. And it was, I couldn't tell if he was getting mad at me or <laughs> mad at the, Come on, Gordon. We brought all this equipment. I, I had the exact same experience with the uh, with the murder um, case of the young girl um, around the time that I started at the Herald, um, uh, Shania. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember that Nancy Grace. So yeah, you know. Um, so I had Nancy. I was on Nancy Grace's show. I wasn't live like you, and this was actually a live show. But just like you, Gordon, I explained to the producers beforehand. Um, they asked me a bunch of questions beforehand. I said, no, you know, this is what we know. They said, would you be willing to, um, would you be willing to, you know, share your opinion on this? And I said, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm just here to share the facts. And they were like few, three or four questions where I said, yeah, I'm not going to really have an answer to that. And then when I got on Nancy Grace's show, the first three questions she asked were the ones I said I couldn't answer. So I, I feel your pain on that. But, um, it- <laughs> There was times where it almost felt a little combative because I was like, well, I don't, I don't have any information about that. I can't, I can't speak to that. Um, and I was, I only watched it once, um, but I wasn't on for a whole lot of time, but they were here for a good hour. Did he slam the, did he slam the desk and say, you know, what are you hiding, Gordon? <laughs> no, I, my favorite, favorite part though, and again, going back, I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't really see much on the computer screen other than a blur. But uh, I guess this child came into the room. And he, he went, I need you to shut up. <laughs> that was great. Oh, wow. That was great. But, um, you know, interesting experience learning experience i'm glad that i uh stuck to my guns and did not say anything that i didn't know to be true um a lot of the things they were pushing me to say other people in the program addressed and those were people who probably had better knowledge than i did so i was um i was pleased with i was pleased with the way i came off i was really scared that they were gonna Chop up my audio to make me say something. Or like, he was like when, the... yeah, like when Dateline chopped up Homer's, right? <laughs> Homer's responses in his sexual assault case. <laughs> so, 
my thought about it is like I watched it and I just seem like it seems like there's just not enough to that story to make a show like that. That's what I kind of got from. Well, like, yeah, you were like telling all the details, and you were doing a great job, and like that was the details. <laughs> it well, seemed like they were trying to make twists and turns, and there's not a lot of twists and turns to the story. Yeah, I agree with that. It was an that, interesting story, though. I thought it's a very interesting story. I don't know if they. I was asked by a family member how accurate it was, and I was like, I don't know, because uh, like they wove this narrative about the investigation and it was all stuff that we as reporters, we were never privy to it. Yeah. You know, who they, who else were looking at and, and all that. And I, you know, the police around here don't tell us that stuff. Yeah. And I, I was, I was there at that time. I was, I remember you working on that story a lot and like, I mean, it was pretty cut and dry, you know, (laughs) I mean, I, I just felt like they were trying, they were reaching for something that wasn't there. But, but so, my beef um, is that I actually covered the trial. Yeah, I you, I was, was like on his punk rock tour or something, I think. <laughs> where, I don't know, where were you? But you were out one, like one day and it was the one, I was the sports guy. And they were like, John, go cover this murder trial. <laughs> yeah. Well, you covered the plea hearing, right? Yeah, it wasn't, it was no big deal. And the guy, and like, I guess that's why they sent me, but I'd never heard of an offered plea. So I was like, uh, they told, they told like, that's what it was and everything. And and then what is this? <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, that's no big deal. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, uh, I, I, um, I thought you did great, Gordon. Uh, I thought you were, you were underused. I thought they overused the, uh, the detective, the deputy, I guess from Richmond yeah. County. But I bet I bet he um, I bet he really frustrated the host because it seemed like every answer he gave was by the book. You know, if the guy asked him, "Well, can you speculate on this?" and he was, "No, I can't do that." You know, <laughs> I bet I bet he hit a lot of dead ends with him. But no, I I thought uh, I thought you did a great job. But um, if if you want to if you want to get into the beefs of it, Jonathan, and um, we we can start on that. First off, I did think it was an actually really interesting show. The, this case happened before I got to Sanford, so I didn't know anything about it, and uh, and so I thought it was pretty interesting, pretty cool. Um, I thought, you know, I thought it made for a good hour of television. They probably could have chopped it down to thirty minutes. I think you take out all the shots from the grass and <laughs> all the uh, all the man. They must use that photo of him and uh, and his wife eight hundred times in that one hour span. They didn't have a whole lot of photos to go on. Um, but, uh, but my beefs of it were at the very beginning, we're watching this and they start showing clips and I'm using quotation marks of Sanford. And the first thing they show is this water fountain, like this huge water fountain. And my wife, the first thing she says is Sanford doesn't have a water fountain. (laughs) And then they show a shot of downtown and it's not even our downtown. Did you notice that Gordon? Or were you, were you nervous about the other stuff? (laughs) Well, was it Rockingham? Because that's where they found her. Perhaps I, it, it could have been. I remember a shot of Horner Boulevard, but I don't. I don't know. I was kind of. I was kind of nervous watching yeah. the thing. I'll have to go back. And watch. Yeah. I know. I was like an idiot. Yeah. Um, they had a couple of mistakes. They said uh, 
she was found one county over in Richmond mm-hmm. County. And I said, ah, that's two counties. over." Yeah. <laughs> Just little things like that. But uh, um, <laughs> what were your beefs, John? No, I, I think I went to my only beefs. I just talked about that. It, okay. it seemed like they were third, definitely a 30 minute show. Yeah. And they were yeah. stretching it and trying to make the, the twists a little too crazy. Oh yeah. Rockingham does have a nice fountain. That was, that. Um, yeah, it might've been Rockingham that was in the shot. So but, I was um, surprised that I was surprised to learn at the end that he was out. Like I thought for sure, um, you know, this isn't one of those shows where you learn who did it at the end. I think it's called Killer Motive, and so you know from the beginning. Although they didn't really flat out say that he did it, you know. But I, I was really surprised to at the end to know that he was living somewhere else, and that you know they tried yeah. to track him down. I was surprised by he that. Was living a couple hours west of Sanford, and everything I'd been told leading up was that it was a couple of hours east of Sanford down mm-hmm. near. Greenville somewhere but I don't know maybe they gave me the wrong information up front but it was uh it was interesting I got a lot of phone calls a lot of texts in the few days leading up because um in fact the first phone call I got was from Sheriff Tracy Carter and he called it like 9 30 and I guess he'd seen the commercial and I was in the commercial <laughs> And I was like, oh, God. And like the, this company, they told me they'd be back in touch to let me know when it was going to air. And I just never heard from them. But the, the producer, they were about to air the commercial. Did you call Gordon Anderson? No, sir. <laughs> we can't <laughs> run this. <laughs> no, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought you looked good, man. And I thought, uh, you know, the, the, the clips they used of you, you, you came off. You came off pretty good. Like I knew what I was doing. Yeah, you yeah, were very. Yeah, yeah, you were very credible. All right, my tell uh, when I was saying something that was a more original thought because, as I referenced, if the, there were things that I that I didn't exactly remember or didn't know at the time, if they could if they could corroborate them to me, I would be willing to talk about them on camera. And so my wife said that she could tell when I, I was speaking an original thought or something that they wanted me to talk about. Did you, you guys know me? Did you guys pick up on that or? Uh, the, the one part where you said, um, and I could be wrong here, but there was one part where you said something to the extent of they were all, none of them were talking to me. They were all being very quiet, blah, blah, blah. It seemed like you were fed that line. Oh, I, one of my friends texted me and was making fun of me because I said, uh, we were met with silence. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was the money line. So what's next for you? Are you gonna do um, the uh, the other oxygen show? Um, or no, there was one I saw that was like, is it murder, suicide, or accident? <laughs> <laughs> let's do a let's do a rant true crime spinoff podcast. So I'm here this week with Margaret Murchison, who everybody knows from WWGP Radio. But uh, Margaret is here today to talk about her role on the Central Carolina Community College Foundation Board, which uh, raises money for the college and for scholarships and that sort of thing. 
Um, but last, I believe it was in December, announced the creation of a Black Lives Matter scholarship in memory of a man named Jason Arnold, who was um, who was killed last year. Uh, Margaret, why don't you just start by telling us about the foundation and what you guys do, how it operates, and how, how it led to this scholarship? Well, Gordon, the, the, the foundation is wonderful, and I'm sure you know that each year in November, they have the uh, banquet. It's a luncheon, and it's always uh, the Growing Scholars uh, Banquet. Every kid who has been given a scholarship in that period and the donors come together to meet each other, usually for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have really seen a lot of kids shed tears when they meet the person who they say is responsible for them getting a college education. Because if not for scholarships, many children could not go to school. I couldn't, shouldn't say children, but many young adults could not go to college. It, it's just that simple. Things are very expensive. And there are some scholarships out there. I know that young people have to apply. You have to be determined. I'm going to get this scholarship. So there are a lot of scholarships with the foundation. But if you go through and you read the names, there have never been any just basically dedicated to Black lives. There is a B.T. Bullock. Uh, W.B. Booker Scholarship that was started years ago by someone who was here working with the boot camp program. And when that was over, the money was sent to the scholarship fund. And that money provides scholarships every year. Okay, they have still not been just a scholarship for minority young mm -hmm. people. So we thought, okay, seed, uh, became a part of the foundation. We give three scholarships each year, preferably to minority students to make sure, because until we started this, a lot of black kids did not get scholarships. So we started this quite some time ago with the SEED organization, and we make sure that at least three kids, and they don't have to be kids from Lee County, it's anyone who goes to college, they can apply for that scholarship. So after, uh, the Arnold young man was killed in that senseless shooting. Uh, Amy, who is the director or of uh, the uh, foundation at the college, we got together and talked about the possibility of the first Black Lives Scholarship at the college. There had never been a Black Lives Scholarship at the college. And there are a lot of young men who have potential, I think if just massaged a little bit, Mm -hmm. that they would be willing to decide, I'm going to school. Somebody's going to help me. So we talked and talked, and then we got up with Jonathan's mother, and she was interested, and she felt very honored that her son would be considered for naming of a scholarship. There have been so many young men killed in Lee County and across the United States. I think the generation of young black males ages 15 to 24, they've just been prematurely dying from homicide and, and suicide. And between 1950 and 2010, the average death rate for young black males due to homicide was 81.7 per 100,000. Mm -hmm. And suicide was 11.8 per 100,000. That's awful. Mm -hmm. And ages 15 to 24 years are the intersecting developmental stages of adolescence and young adulthood when premature death should not be expected. Now, 
we want these young people to become viable citizens of the community. You graduate from high school, you decide to do something. You might say, well, I just want to go into uh, the work sector right now. That's fine. Maybe if you get there, you decide, I want to work, but I also want to get more education. And if you know that there's a scholarship out there that you have the opportunity of getting, it gives you an incentive. Okay, you might tell your buddies, let's apply for that Black Lives Matter scholarship. We've had lots of young men killed in the county just last week. Uh, this last week. week, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's such a waste. I mean, who knows what they could have been. Uh, so I understand both of the young men, the, 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 the deceased young man and the alleged shooter of the young man. This was a very, very smart students in school. One was playing basketball, at least senior at the same time. The other was a standout player at Southern Lee. Who knows what either one of those young men could have been. Right. And this Black Lives Scholarship, I think, is going to give people an incentive to say, look, I'm going for that scholarship. They may even have some contests with the friends. You apply, you apply, you apply, and one of us is going to get that scholarship. And Sharon is very excited because she said, Jonathan, was a, he has a twin brother, but he's the kind of young man who always wanted to do something for somebody. He was always helping people. He was in a business with his mom, like to be in um, airborne um, business uh, where they were providing uh, housing for some people. And they were just getting ready to start another business when he, when his untimely death came around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she feels that many people will be receptive to the scholarship. I think that people will be not just black, but I think people will be receptive to a Black Lives Matter scholarship. Sometimes people get the feeling, I'm black, my life doesn't matter to anybody. That is not true. Black Lives Matter, just like all lives matter. And I think when Black Lives Matter totally, then all lives will matter. And things like scholarships can make the difference. Tell me about um, the process of raising money for this. I understand there was a goal to, to hit a certain um, a certain amount so that there could be like an endowment. Is that is that the case? And and how did you go about raising raising money? Well, she uh, Sharon is going to do various things. I think she sent out letters to her constituents, her her classmates, her peers. She graduated from Wicker in that last group. Uh, well, she didn't graduate from Wicker. They went on to be senior because that was the last group that should have graduated at Wicker. And Sharon, just to be clear, is is Mr. Arnold's mother. She is okay. Mr. Arnold's mother, and um, her classmates have been wonderful students or alumni for Wicker School. Even though their class did not get to walk down the aisle at Wicker, they graduated at least senior. Mm-hmm. But when there's a need in that class, they all come together and they work on it. And she knows that they are going to contribute. Then she is a dental assistant, a technician. And those people whom she works with, they have been helping lots of family members, lots of friends. You know, it, it's not the amount that goes in. It's the fact that you care enough about somebody or what this is to donate. So, you know, I tell people right. $5, $3, $0.50, any kind of way that you're getting the honest donations and contributions to keep the scholarship going. And I still think that others will chime in and say, I think I want to start a Black Lives Scholarship for my son or my daughter who uh, passed away untimely for something senseless years ago. If enough people get interested in this and start uh, thinking about it and saying, you know, I could help some kid 
I can definitely have some kids. We sat with a young man at the last banquet of the foundation and the young man wrote us the nicest letter. It was one of the our scholarship recipients and he cried because hmm. he said he never even dreamed when he applied for that scholarship that he would get it. And he said, I'm gonna work so hard and I'm gonna make such good grades that you all are gonna be so proud of me. I mean, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even enough to pay tuition, but it could help him buy his books or something. Right. So I really think if you think about it, education is the key to everything. If you've got a lot of homework and you're trying to work, even if you have children and you're not married or whatever, you're gonna concentrate on those studies. So you're not out in the street making trouble or causing trouble or maybe getting, getting hurt from something that's not even your fault. Right. You're gonna work to make sure that you keep your grades up. And a lot of young people have it hard in school. I, after talking with the people who run the, the foundation after college, and she's gonna hang me because I keep calling her Amy. But anyway, a lot of the kids run out of money, like adults. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you've got more month than money. And they have a great store at the college that has food and clothing because a lot of young people only wear jeans. And if they get ready to go for a job interview, you know, they don't have anything to wear. So they have this great store down there that right. you can go in and actually get some food if you're hungry. Because, you know, you might be planning to get a Big Mac and some fries after class, but then you discover that your tank is empty or you need a tire on your vehicle. So these yeah. scholarships help people manage what little money they have. It lets them know that somebody cares about them. And I just hope that we see 25 of these Black Lives Matter scholarships. Yeah, I, um, you know, the older I get, the more I can see how you know, everything is connected. And one of the things that we've written a lot about is this influx of, of new jobs coming to Lee County from Barat Forge from Pfizer and Audentes. And, you know, people say, well, those jobs aren't going to go to Sanford people, but that's not true. And not CCCC true. is the, like the way for people to get the qualifications for a lot of these, these bio jobs or these manufacturing jobs and they're good paying jobs. And I just, you know, I, I didn't think before this interview about the way that the, the scholarship connects to this, but you're right. There, there is an opportunity not just to go to college, but to, to, to gain the skills that it takes for, you know, a career. Exactly. And, 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 you know, I kind of think of CCCC, like the Underground Railroad to freedom. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, you get on that path and you hang out at that little crooked path. It might be crooked. It might have stones or pitfalls along the way, but you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And then you start climbing. And the more you climb, the more you're going to want to climb. And once somebody gets this scholarship and they've climbed to where they want to be, I'd like to think that they would reach behind and grab that next person coming along and say, come on, honey, I made it. Now I'm going to make sure that you do it. And to start off, we're going to make sure that you apply for this scholarship and then you're going to work it. And after he, that person has come along, then he will reach behind and grab somebody else. And after a while, it becomes habit. It's habit forming. You've made that path through the CCCC. You've gone up the ladder. You've made it. You've helped other people make it. And now you're going to start a scholarship. Okay, that scholarship helped me. So now I'm going to start a scholarship and I'm going to name it something else that I'm going to give it maybe just to females this time who can get that scholarship. 
scholarships are necessary. I mean, when my son went to college, he had scholarships. He applied for scholarships. You know, you don't want to come out with so much debt that you can't even enjoy that first paycheck you get. Right. So if there's any way you can apply for a scholarship, and that's why the foundation, I don't know how many people in Lee County know about the foundation, but it's one of the best things. I know most colleges probably have foundations, but CCCC is not a, you know, a gigantic school. It's, it's, it's a, a wonderful school, but they have a fantastic uh, scholarship effort down there. And the more scholarships, the better. You know, I, I talked with one young man about possibly giving a scholarship and he said, well, I'd like to, when I leave this world, I'd like to leave something to the college in memory of my parents. But at the moment, I'd like to buy them a brand new copy machine. And he did that. Oh, wow. And and people don't realize you can start a scholarship. You don't have to have big money to start a scholarship. You might take somebody to lunch and say, would you consider giving $25 a month to the scholarship fund at the college? Right. Well, that person would probably say yes, but then later on they call and say, look, I want to give more than $25 a month. I want to I want to get a scholarship and I want to get it in my name. Uh, I want a, a park bench out there with my name on it. And then I want this money to go to some kid who might not have an opportunity to go to school. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that Jonathan Arnold is extremely happy. He's not here with us anymore. But just to think that he died an untimely death, but his death is not going to be in vain because so many kids are going to go to college with money from a scholarship that was started because of his untimely death. And since, you know, since this scholarship got started up, there's a, one student has already been awarded. Is yes. that correct? Yes, and, I don't have that student's name, but yes, one student has already been awarded the scholarship. And, and the one good thing about a scholarship, you can, they will give you the names of who, you know, has applied. And the donor can also be a part of making that decision who gets that scholarship. Mm-hmm. And that's really good because you may know something about the person that nobody else on the committee knows about. You might know that that person really needs that and it might give him a really good shot in the arm if he could get that scholarship. I think it would be a great thing to walk around and say, guess what? I got the scholarship. I won that scholarship and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to stay in school and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to make those people proud who gave me that scholarship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people learn more about the foundation and this scholarship in particular? There is, is there information online? Yeah, there's information online. You can call the college and ask for Dr. Emily Hare and she can give you all of the specifics and tell you the, the um, website that you can go on. You go on the CCCC Foundation. It will give you all the money, uh, the information, tell you how you can donate even let you see some pictures of people who have gotten the scholarship and even get some remarks from some scholarship recipients of other scholarships. So it's all there for you. It's very easy. You just go to the CCCC website and then go to the CCCC Foundation's website and then there's all of your information in front of you. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't have to give $500 to start a scholarship or you can give $10. And you can, uh, but and this is also how you apply correct exactly not exactly how to apply and the, and the applications are not complicated at all you have to give some information but it's information that you would know right off the bat i'd say you could fill that application out perfectly well in 30 minutes mm-hmm. it's very simple you just give you know you've got to have your gpa and 
and and and what your plans are and what you've taken and what you in but nothing complicated so anybody can apply very easily simply by going to that site the cccc foundation okay and if you have other questions just contact dr emily Hare. emily has been working with that program so long and she makes it sound like you know even if you hadn't planned to give a scholarship when you finish talking to emily you already take it out your checkbook saying, I want, to, <laughs> I want to start a scholarship because she makes it sound so real and something that's so close that you can just reach out and touch it and you think, hey, I'm gonna help this kid go to school. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this scholarship button out there and I'm gonna make sure that he gets something from the scholarship. You can apply for a scholarship more than once. And a lot of kids do. Uh-huh. It's, it's just a good thing. How long have you been on the foundation board? I'm in my second, this is my second go around that place. Okay. Okay. What, uh, but, and, and this is the, this is the goal of the foundation to support, um, you know, charitable efforts to help people go to yes. school. Okay. Yes. And okay. then we've done plenty, you know, like I said, a, a kid is hungry. We have a sunshine committee. We are all of the board members, once a year, we'll give a donation specifically geared to helping some kid who may be so close to graduating, but they've got to drop out because they can't pay their rent. A lot of kids at CCCC are not from Lee County. Some right. of them don't have relatives here. Sometimes it's hard to find a place to live here. They can't afford to drive back home in the afternoon. Sometimes they just fall down in their luck. And rather than letting a kid drop out, we'd rather give them the money. Right. Help them find the money. So that they can stay in school and at least get their diploma or degree. I mean, that's good information. I hope that I hope that the, the right person hears hears that and and knows that that helps available. Well, you have such a popular program. I'm sure that uh, people will listen. People will hear. And I, and and again, some people don't know about the, the CCCC Foundation. Some people have never heard of the Black Lives Matter scholarship. Right. Some people don't know about the Sunshine Fund or that. There is food, peanut butter and crackers and cereal when you are down on your luck and you're in school and you're sitting there saying, I'm going to have to drop out because I have no money and I'm hungry. They don't realize that they've got that right there at the school. Wow. Well, Margaret, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And I know you've got the, uh, the, the, the midday news to read here in a minute. So I'll let you go. But I want to thank you for joining me. And um, we look forward to having you back. Thank you, Gordon. Keep on doing what you're doing. And remember to stay behind the mask. I think I think we have to talk about Patrick Kelly's story. No, do we? <laughs> I mean, what can we say without no. so explain without laughing? <laughs> well, so the uh, so the Patrick other was Patrick is a member of the school board who um, had some images circulated of him in a sexual setting and. There, much like there was an investigation into whether Sherry Womack violated any school board ethics policies, there's now, when, when she went to D.C. for the Save America rally, there's now a um, investigation into Patrick and whether his personal sexual behavior behind closed doors mm-hmm. violated 
ethics policies. Now, I'm kind of of the mind that this is going to go exactly the way the other one went. What's there to investigate? Did it happen at school or on school board time? Nope. Okay. Right. Um, there is some debate over whether the image can be considered private because the understanding is that it was uploaded to a social media site that is dedicated to, um, I guess, the, the, the fetish lifestyle. Kink. But uh, yeah, I, I guess. Mean, that's the name of the website, wasn't it? <laughs> it's Fet Life. Those images are no longer on that website, by the okay. way. So we're not encouraging any impressionable listeners to go looking. But I'm always um, curious about there's... the people that find that, like, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> like, were you were you just hanging out there? Uh, <laughs> did you come across right. it? There, well, there's still some debate, and I, I'm certainly not an attorney, but you know, there's some debate over whether he still had a reasonable expectation of, of privacy. Because, you know, on any social media site, you have the ability to manage who your contacts are, who can see what. And I'm certainly not on FetLife or anything. This is the first I'd heard of it. But I don't know what the the rules are there. In any case, I think it was awfully low. If if the rules are similar to to like a dating site, which I haven't been on a dating site since the 90s. (laughs) So, um, but, but I understand just from, from having done similar types of stories before, um, if it's similar to like a dating site or if it's similar to a site where people, um, show pictures of themselves like that, that, um, a lot of these sites, you are protected. I don't know if you're protected as much as you can be, you can face, um, you can face some kind of civil charge, I guess, if you share photos from these sites, you know, like, uh, yes, you yeah, are I don't putting, know what you the are putting these images is. out there, but I think, I think people who share them, especially, um, you start getting into the word revenge as well. And, and there are revenge porn laws, um, in, in several States throughout this country. And, you know, um, it's certainly debatable whether this constitutes as porn because porn isn't really, um, defined, but there is certainly a revenge element there because uh, this was kind of run, um, made public because of what happened um, in the previous uh, case that you're talking about with Sherry Lynn Womack and and uh, and even during the school board meetings for uh, Mr. Womack to say, you know, if you are going to charge my wife, blah blah blah, with with um, this and that, and I think. Uh, Patrick should be upheld to the same standards and an investigation. He explicitly should... linked the two situations. Right. You know, which, which is an element of revenge there. And I know maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, kind of trying to make it happen there, but I think, you know, I know Patrick has lawyered up for this and I think rightfully so. I, I think uh, there's, there's uh, an element of his privacy that's been, um, you know, that uh, I don't know what the word is, but certainly a violation of his privacy. I, uh, I, and I think that judging by the vast majority of comments that this story, these stories have received on our platforms, who cares? You know, that's, that's his private business. Yeah. And I still think that 
the 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 kink notwithstanding anybody would be completely embarrassed if an image of them having the most vanilla sex in the world was released it would be embarrassing as hell not because you did it but because something that was intended to be private was was made very very public for for political reasons and I, i i've made a request to the schools for all of the um emails to and from the board on this matter because the nature of some of the things that have been said i understand i haven't seen yet but they're like well you know is he a pedophile where the hell does that come from i've seen that i've seen that word thrown out there too and i don't want him around my kids and and uh you know just really ridiculous comments um, I will say this, uh, the email was sent to us at the rant from some of these same people who um, made it public with the school board, and they sent it to us with the hopes that we would make it public, like that we would do a story about it or we would post it on our website or whatever. And so I say that only to say that we have seen the photo, and um, perhaps I'm just a child of, uh, of, the, of Generation X, and I've seen a lot <laughs> a lot of bad things out there in this world, but I didn't think it was, it's It's, embarrassing. Uh, You know, nobody wants that stuff out there, but there's nothing terrible. I'd say about it. There's nothing even wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Um, a lot of people on, on the rant are saying, we want to see the photo. We want to see the photo. And, and uh, I know there's an element of curiosity there, but if you want to see it for any other reason other than curiosity, then you really don't have a right to, you know? Right. <laughs> and and I made clear in the story why we didn't publish the photo. One, I believe the subject in the photo when he tells me it was intended to be private and I don't think that we have any business sharing it. And two, there's another person in the photo who I can't identify and I do not have that I don't do not have the consent of that person yeah, and to publish the photo. She's topless in it, and nobody wants that. I mean, you can't see anything, but you can't you can't see her face. But still, right. there's I'm not going to publish it. Well, and beyond that, the the image is in some ways explicit. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't do that. Um, I, I'd like I'd like to say that even if it was our our worst enemy out there um and we yeah. got the photo of them um not only would we not do that for privacy concerns but also um you know i i don't want any i don't want anything to do with the legal ramifications of publishing something like that and right. uh and i think whoever's out there sharing it could very well face some sort of ramifications for it they've been ordered to Cease and desist, as I understand it. So, you know, I mean, and rightfully so, if if this was a female school board member and people were sharing similar photos, um, there would be a larger outcry against it, I think. And I think uh, because Patrick is a man that maybe a lot of people who support the idea of sharing it think it's it's right or that you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And I don't care who you are, what gender you are. Um, you know, it's not, we're all protected under the same, I guess, umbrella of privacy. And I I think, uh, I think Patrick's handled it well. I I saw that he, 
he's the one that's seconded the motion to investigate, which means he's, you know, standing up to it. And, and uh, we know Patrick, we know he's, uh, uh, you know, a good person and uh, he's got a, I know on the outside, he's, he seems to be taking it well, but this, this can't be good for him, you know? No, no, it's, it's gotta be tough. Yeah. Um, one thing I did notice that I thought was interesting is, you know, the vast majority of the comments, 98 to 99% seem to be supportive. Who cares that he likes this? And it's disgusting that this picture was put out in this way for this reason. But a big majority of those comments came from women and not that women wouldn't would or wouldn't support Patrick, but I got to thinking and I, you know, I realized women probably have more frequently had to deal with stuff like this than men. And I'm not saying that anybody who commented has had to deal with it, but um, the, the, the fear may be the fear of that or, or the worry about that may be more real for a lot of women than, than men. I I don't know if that's the case or not, but um, it was just something that I thought was, was really interesting. And if anybody listening has thoughts about that, you can email me coordinaterantnc.com. We'll we'll have a lot of these comments in our next edition. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, there may be more to come on this story because to to me, the story isn't kind of weird sex picture exists. To me, the story is kind of weird sex picture exists and is being weaponized for political reasons. And that's really gross. You know, I covered that trial for two, three, four weeks, whatever it was. And it was, I I thought I did a good job covering it. And then Dan put an accidental apostrophe in one of my headlines. And I still do that to this day. I think that cost me a NCPA award. I'd laugh about that, but I've messed up many a story with a bad headline. (laughs)